This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about police drones in the sky, the proposed Portland River Ferry hitting a big snag, and one of the city's biggest sports team's major breakup with an airline. For this week's News Roundup, I'm joined by our host, Claudia Meza, and Willamette Week's Dr. No columnist, Marty Smith. It's Friday, October 13th. I'm lead producer John Natariani, and this is what Portland's talking about. Claudia, Marty, thanks for coming to the CityCast Portland News Roundup. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Marty, this is your first time on the show. Claudia, this is your first time being a guest on the show. I am delighted. This is exciting. Do you know like when somebody drives your car and like you're in the back seat and you're just like, wow, this is so different from back here. I'm already exactly. feeling that. It's exciting. You can like look out the windows. You're like, yeah. I might just take a little nap, John. And then you start feeling like, oh my God, what is he doing? <laughs> and then you're like white knuckling it the entire way to wherever you're going. He's going to wreck my car. Oh. But since I'm driving, I'm in charge of the stereo. So uh, I'm driving today. I trust you. Yeah. I trust you, John. Um, well, each week we go over three big stories of the week. Um, but then we always have a question sort of to get us started to kick off the conversation. And uh, today I wanted to take a look at some cool news that happened. Fuller's Coffee Shop, which has been around for 75 years. It's this old diner and there was a fire in February, but they just announced that they're reopening. Um, Fuller's is sort of a classic institution. It's one of the last lunch counters in downtown. And it got me thinking, each of you guys... If you could bring back one restaurant or bar that like lives in your heart forever, what's the one place in Portland that you would resurrect from the dead? Claudia, I think I know where you might be going, but but I'll go first so you can both have a chance to think about it. I miss Liberty Glass so much. It uh, was on Cook Street, just at the foot of Mississippi. And it was one of those house bars where it's clearly just an old home that has been converted into a bar. Um, it felt really cozy in there. Um, there was lots of little nooks and places you could sit upstairs. And it was like my, if I wanted to go out and just sort of have like a really comfortable place, I would go out to Liberty Glass. And I miss it. And I wish they would come back. Marty, do you have a answer or do you want me to go? Because I've literally, the moment he finished that sentence, I was like, no, Overlook Restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Claudia. I know it's coming. Tell me about Overlook. <laughs> on Skidmore. <laughs> It was there for like 43 years. It was run by this sweet Greek uh, gentleman. Um, I believe he sold the land and he retired at least, you know, a millionaire, hopefully. But it was an institution and it was the kind of place that you'd go in and it was like truck drivers and people from the neighborhood. And it was like one of those places with like a sleeper bar, if that makes sense. Like you could mm -hmm. get like a martini for like under 10 bucks and you're just like are you kidding me get out of here you guys it was just yeah. just a, such a wonderful space and insanely big pancakes i remember oh my God. right <laughs> and the cinnamon roll do you remember the cinnamon roll and the cinnamon roll yeah yeah, yeah. uh so i'm gonna go with club 21 
and stick to my mm. Portland rock scene bona fides. Uh, it is a shame about Club 21. It's the only rock and roll dive bar. Well, it was the only rock and roll dive bar in Central Portland. Now I don't think there is one. Uh, now the only dive bar in Central Portland is the Sandy Hut, and only because it's on that tiny little strip of land that nobody wants to build condos on. So yes, Club 21 would be nice. I miss the, the place. I miss the shows. I miss the bumper stickers that said I should have left you at Club 21. Club 21 is probably the only bar in Portland that I've ever been kicked out of. Okay. <laughs> John, what did you do? Yeah, that's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a buddy who was a touring drummer, an old friend of mine from Detroit, and he was on tour with a band that was playing at Club 21. And he had just been sort of like a ringer on this tour, and it was the last show that he was playing. And he got into a fight with the lead singer because he felt like they weren't paying him enough for the time that he'd been on the tour. So my buddy Phil was in town from Detroit, and I'm like, I had to back him up in this argument. So we got into a screaming match in the middle of Club 21, like within the band, about whether Phil was getting paid enough money. And then we all got thrown out. The whole band? Was that the Brian Jonestown Massacre? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was... <laughs> So yeah, that was the last time I went to Club 21. You're not going to tell us the band? I'm mean, like, and it was the White Stripes. I honestly don't even remember what <laughs> band it was. It was not a good band. It was just like some band that my friend Phil got into. I, I can't even remember what they were called. All right, fine. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> thanks for both of your stories. Um, and let's get into it. Let's talk about the news of the week. Marty, you are our guest, and we're going to let you go first. So tell me what story is on your mind this week. Well, I don't know if it's a really news story, but the news peg is that uh, the Portland Police Bureau has released a dashboard where you can see all the drone deployments because, you know, it's the future. The police have flying unmanned drones that they can fly around and do good and possibly evil with, <laughs> depending on their mood. Um, but those of you who are curious can go to this new dashboard that we just reported in Willamette Week uh, this week and see where the drones have been, what they're doing. And I just thought the idea of unmanned, automated police flying creatures might be something worthy of discussion. So uh, it raises issues of both convenience and terror I'm sure in most people. I, I went online and I, I checked out this map and it's just, you know, there's like 20 some times that drones have been deployed in Portland, but it's just so immediately scary seeing them mapped across the region because it looks like there's 20 drones in the sky at the same time. You know what I mean? I looked at it and it's like, oh my gosh, there are drones hovering all over the city right now. And that's not actually what it means. But yeah, it is sort of crazy to think about like the, the eyes in the sky aspect of it while thinking about it or researching it uh like i found that in uh, you know 2018 uh the, one of the first deployments that made the news was in the uk and this old man with dementia had wandered into a marsh and the village police had just bought a drone and uh they're like oh jolly oh i bet that drone will find it <laughs> and they send it up <laughs> and uh you know flew it out over the marshes and it had a heat-seeking camera there he was, and they pulled him. He was waist deep in water, didn't know where he was, so it Whoa. certainly saved his life. But at the same time, they were introducing a drone program in New York City and the, you know, NYCLU, uh, which is the little brother of the ACLU, as I'm sure you know, uh, was upset about it. They didn't want facial recognition. They didn't want, uh, you know, 
machine guns on them. They didn't want... Uh, I'm sorry, the drones have machine guns? No, they don't. And in, in fact, weaponizing drones is illegal for everybody. Why are you bringing up machine guns, Marty? <laughs> because there's a law against it, right? I know. Okay, okay. Because I that's just, what people are worried about. Some Fox pundit shit, you're like, you know, machine guns, illegal immigrants, I don't know, drones. Uh, and I'm just like, what are you saying? We, we talked about drones a couple months ago, and there is like a state law that says you are not allowed to mount a weapon on a drone. Okay. So yes. at least in Oregon, there is a state law. You can't like put knives on your drone and chase after people. But if you think no one in New York City was worried about putting somebody putting guns on the drones, then you, I think, misjudge the number of people in New York City. So that's one of the things they were worried about. Uh, and uh, I don't know, it didn't happen, but, uh, you know, facial recognition, weapons, and uh, monitoring of First Amendment activities are the three things that people seem to be most worried about. And so far in New York, it doesn't seem like they've been using it for that. So it's died down. So maybe the drones are our friends. I don't know, man. Immediately, like the thing that comes to my head is like, will they turn into dogs? And then when will they chase me in a creepy manner? Because that's all I think about is that Black Mirror episode where like they have these, of course, gun touting drones, which according to what you just said is illegal. So yay. But still like... It makes me feel a little like we're skirting something. And I don't know if it is me just being afraid of like the unknown, but it feels just like, you know, what we're thinking like, well, they're not going to take advantage of this, right? And it's just like, come on, man. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's going to be taken advantage somehow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing that's scary to me is particularly just surveillance. You know, the idea that the police can get eyes in the sky and look at anyone anywhere is not something that I'm excited about. And I started like reading up on the precedent. And I guess in like the late 80s, there was a Supreme Court ruling uh, that aerial surveillance uh, conducted by law enforcement doesn't violate the Fourth Amendment, that like it actually is legal for police to use these things for surveillance, you know? Actually, I looked into this. That ship sort of sailed when the... uh... When, when airplanes were invented. So the idea is that if you are visible from, a, like the the, uh, the airspace, navigable airspace where a plane can fly, is, you don't need a warrant to be in there. Like a, the plane doesn't need a warrant to fly over your house. Gotcha, Marty. So basically you're saying it doesn't need a drone because it can't really see anything above a certain point. Right. If you want to, if you want to get down and look in somebody's window, you do still need a warrant for that. For for now, for now, I watched RoboCop last night in uh, in preparation for this. I want you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for that jilted lover to be like, and you know who was who was a cop, and then uses the drone. You know, like that's gonna happen when they're just like, oh, that's so crazy how they misused this. I mean, but 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 Marty, like out of the reporting that we're seeing, right? This this program's only really been live for a couple months. Um, are we seeing any kind of indication of the way that the police bureau is going to be using these drones in the future or are they still figuring it out? I think that, uh, I mean, the most common use is for an exigent situation where something's going on and they need to, you know, like escape fugitives. I think they would love that. I don't know if it's happened yet. That's the, that's the dream, right? Someone's crashing through people's backyards, shooting guns and you want to put a stop to that. That's the dream. That's my dream too. And well, it's, you know, compared to the dream of them just getting away with it, I think that if you could at least find that person and stop them, I don't know. I'm not a Republican, but I think that would be okay. Marty's ready for the drone revolution. John, you're kind of lukewarm and I'm like anti-drone. So yeah. <laughs> I feel like we have the full spectrum here. 
<laughs> I'm only into drones if you show me a beautiful view of like the you know the coast. Then I'm just like these drones are gorgeous, or like a nice establishing shot of like an Icelandic you know mystery drama. That's what I want a drone for. All right, you guys. Well, <laughs> thanks for that, Marty. Thanks for cluing us in on what we should be scared of. Or looking forward to. Or looking forward to, yeah. <laughs> depending on the drone future that you envision for yourself and your people. <laughs> Claudia, what story do you have an eye on this week? What, what caught your attention? Well, my article this week comes from Bike Portland, uh, a really great transportation-focused news source that's led by Jonathan Moss. The article he wrote is about the latest frog fairy saga. Have you heard about the frog fairy, Marty? I have now. I mean, I, I looked it up last night, but I had not heard of it before, and I don't know if it's really, really happening. Yeah. John, I know you have since we've covered it on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So for those not on the loop who didn't read the article uh, that I forwarded to Marty, <laughs> we're talking about a public passenger ferry service that would go from Vancouver all the way down to Lake Oswego, something that nonprofit organization Friends of Frog Ferry have been trying to make true like since 2017. And the president of this organization, Susan Bladholm, was on the show last June to discuss their plans. So I've been following the story. Uh, so here's the deal. This whole passenger ferry dream for Portland, it's not something that, you know, this organization came up with out of nowhere. Uh, it's an idea that has ebbed and flowed for decades. Like I looked into it and as far back as 2006, there were studies done uh, on its feasibility by Peabot. What, whatever the like predecessor was for Peabot, I think it was like PDOT or something. Uh, so this idea has been considered seriously by the city, uh, but Friends of Frog Ferry have just gotten the closest. And this past May, it was reported that Commissioner Mingus Maps, who oversees Peabot, officially added the ferry project to the city of Portland's 2023 regional transportation plan, which would clear the path for the project to receive federal funding, something it's been struggling to do since its inception. And it seemed that like at that point, everybody was like, done deal. I was telling friends like 2026, I'll see you on the water. You know what I mean? <laughs> but here's the deal. He added them to the 2023 plan, but that plan isn't considered final until next month. Uh, and that was way back in May. So according to the latest news from Bike Portland, at a city council meeting last week, Commissioner Maps who claims to still be a uh, supporter of the project, pretty much says that he no longer thinks uh, that the ferry should be part of the of the plan because it's going to divert federal funding away from like our already flailing public transit infrastructure. And he, of course, noted Peabot's like, you know, $32 million in the whole uh, business. And, and basically in so many words, he was like, hey, we can't have nice things until we can afford the things we already have. And I hate that it's very practical. I, I agree with that practicality of a statement. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, this isn't final. There's still more discussion, more back and forth that will happen until the regional plan is submitted to Metro. Uh, but it seemed like MAPS was trying to prepare some people for some very disappointing news. <laughs> That's what this yeah. seemed like. Uh, so I'm just curious, you guys, like just quick, like how do you guys feel about a passenger ferry on the Willamette? 
I'm like super torn because like on one hand, if that did exist, you know, and like I am like hyper partisan. I live in St. John's. Exactly. So it's going to, yeah. you know, so it's going to come to my neighborhood. Um, Like that would be awesome. I, I, I like I would use that. At the same time, I can't help but shake this feeling of like the the Simpsons monorail episode yeah. when it comes to the ferry. You know, it's just like it's a ferry. It's going to be great. And it's like, well, how many people is that really going to serve? Is that really the best way to do it and especially with you know Peabot having to look at huge budget cuts like I'm not surprised that this is something that they are downplaying as like a major investment because like as delightful as it would be I'm not sure if it's the most efficient way to get people around the region what say you Marty well I mean yeah when you you said that uh Commissioner Maps had added the thing to the list for federal money and it seems like everyone's approval for this the initial approval was like so if the federal government offered you $2 billion to build this, would you accept that money? And I think a lot of people yeah. were like, yeah, that sounds cool. I would definitely accept $2 billion to build a ferry from the federal government. But when push comes to shove, uh, it's like, well, for something that's going to basically move probably about as many people as three buses, like that costs like $2 billion. I don't know. It's not going to cost $2 billion. <laughs> Everything costs $2 billion, Claudia. I, Marty, we're back to Fox Pundit. I'm like, will you stop just throwing shit out? I love it. You're like, two, it's what's it going to cost $2 billion? Zip line from St. John's to downtown. $2 billion zip Dude, line. Dude, a zip line would be tight. For $2 billion? Oh, sounds reasonable. That's not that much money anymore. <laughs> Wasn't there something uh, back a couple years ago when they were talking about replacing the I-5 bridge that some legislator was joking about building a giant slide from Vancouver into downtown Portland? Do you guys remember this? No. This was a fever dream you had, John. I mean, the, the opposite of that is Vancouver's worst nightmare. Where, like, there's a slide from Portland into downtown Vancouver, and they're like, who's going to climb all the way back up? We'll just live here now. Claudia, I, uh, Julia, our audio producer, just pulled this article from Willamette Week in 2016. Oregon candidate for governor proposes water slides to ease traffic between Vancouver and Portland. <laughs> this is just ridiculous. Oh, it's a water slide. Soffer lays out his solution to one of Portland's most obnoxious traffic problems, water slides. I mean, okay, so Claudia, if there was no frog ferry, but we got water slides. A water slide from Vancouver to Portland really would cost $2 billion. <laughs> would the water be warm? That's another $500 million cost overrun if we want to Never. Keep the water. I don't want yeah. cold water shooting me into Vancouver. <laughs> Claudia wants to be close to the water, but not in the water. Yeah, Is that too much to ask, John? <laughs> Commissioner Maps, is that too much to ask? <laughs> oh, man, I feel like we just, like, derailed this entire, like, sort of at one point serious conversation into, like, why don't we just slingshot each other from one end to the other? But I just want to bring it back, John. You said something about where we live. If you don't want to drive in St. John's, it's going to take hours. Like, you're going you're gonna to be on a bus for an hour. You're going to be on a bike for an hour. We're cut off from public transportation. So this ferry actually made sense. We were like, actually, that is the closest, like, point A to point B to get to downtown, to get to southeast. Like, we, if we could just go on the water, it takes 25 minutes. That makes sense. So I was excited. So it will be quicker. But something else that I was reading last week is about some of the proposed service changes. And, like, bear with us in this, like, St. John's insidery uh, jargon, but but TriMet is proposing for 2024 
to increase a lot of the bus service from St. I know, St. I saw John's. that. It's still an hour. I mean, <laughs> line 44, like, is going to have more frequent service. Like, line 15, which goes on the other side of the Willamette, is going to have more frequent service. And, like, as much as it would be lovely to have it be, like, super convenient and easy, the idea of, like, actually building in the infrastructure that we already have to make it more useful for people, like, that's really exciting to me. And that feels like something that's actually going to, like hit the cost balance of improving people's ability to get around the city without spending like an insane amount of money. I don't want to sit on a bus for an hour. Here's the thing, John. I was, it was dangled in front of my face. Hey, Claudia, do you want to chill on a boat for 25 minutes or do you want to sit on a bus for, I'm glad that now I can wait 15 minutes shorter to wait an hour to get somewhere. But like, that's what I'm, I'm mourning that loss of just like, I could have been on a boat. My favorite potentially apocryphal story that I don't know if there's any truth to it is the person who used to commute via jet ski to the Daimler Chrysler building on Swan Island. That sounds more practical, actually, because you don't need a dock for that. Yeah, yeah. I understand that it's like, it's not practical or whatever. Like, oh, it's the, you know, it's the monorail. But like, who in their right mind would spend like over five years pulling a grift. Susan Bladholm isn't here to like skip. I think she just genuinely wants this to happen. We just got to get you a boat. I think that's what it comes down to. <laughs> I mean, like, this woman needs to shut up about this ferry. Let's a boat buy for her Claudia. Boat. Yeah, sure. If every listener wants me to stop talking about the ferry, <laughs> buy me a boat. And you know what? I will. <laughs> I will. And I'll even pick you up on the boat and I'll take you somewhere. <laughs> All right, you guys, we're, we're going to take a quick break here. And once we come back, more headlines of the week. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. All right, you guys, what I want to talk about is one of the big sports breakups of the week. Um, it's been a big couple weeks. Damian Lillard breaking up with the Trailblazers, Oregon State and U of O breaking up with each other as like the Pac-12 falls apart. But I want to talk about the Timbers and an Alaska Airlines. The most beautiful marriage in Portland sports is coming to an end. Alaska Airlines <laughs> is ending its sponsorship deal with the Portland Timbers at the end of the 2023 season. Um, anybody who follows the Timbers knows that Alaska Airlines has their logo right on the jerseys, and it's been there since 2011 when the Timbers joined the league, and it's really rare for a team to have like a sponsor for that amount of time. Um, but the deal is ending, and it kind of comes out of the aftermath of the US soccer investigation that came out uh, back in 2022. And I'm going to try and summarize this as quickly as I can because, you know, this is a saga, an epic saga. But basically, back in 2021, all this information came out that Paul Riley, who'd been the coach, had uh, sexually coerced and verbally abused players on the team. Um, 
and this was happening not just in Portland, but there was a lot of information coming up in professional women's soccer of these types of abusive behaviors. So there was a big investigation that was released in 2022 and just found all of this horrible behavior and that the leadership of the Timbers and Thorns was implicated in a lot of this. In some cases, they knew about it. Um, in some cases, like, you know, some of the people had actually done abusive or coercive things themselves. Um, and it was a huge deal. So a bunch of people lost their jobs. A bunch of people got fired. Um, Merritt Paulson, who owns the Thorns, announced that he's stepping away and selling the team. And all of this comes back to Alaska Airlines, because when all of this was coming out, they announced that they were going to be redirecting their sponsorship contributions to the NWSL Players Association. Um, so it's finally come to pass. I mean, this feels like even though leadership had accountability, I think a lot of people felt like there hadn't been any real big repercussions from all of this crap that happened. And, you know, this major sponsor dropping the team. I can't say that it is like a direct correlation, but like... It definitely the two seem that like they are, you know, correlated in some way. What do you guys think? In news, we, we want to make that correlation. We don't have any evidence. We just say against the backdrop of these allegations. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm just going to put the two next to each other on the table and look from one to the other. Yeah. You're like, and you guys make that connection. I'm going to look at here and then I'm going to look it over here. <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I love that, Marty. That's so funny. Well, you know, I also heard that Alaska is dropping uh, Starbucks and they're now. What did Starbucks do? John, and they're now. Did you have you heard this party? Yeah. What has Starbucks ever done wrong to anybody? Starbucks is no longer being served on, on Alaska flights and they're now using Stumptown. And I just thought in my head, I was like, is this just like, hey, you know, like we're just going to like we're. Yeah, we chose Portland, but guess what? We're not sponsoring their Portland team anymore. And so, hey, like, <laughs> don't hate us. Don't hate us. And go for Stumptown, <laughs> which is now owned by a German investment firm. So it's not really a Portland company anymore. Like, it's <laughs> so funny how, I mean, and I recognize the absurdity that we're talking about the relationships between, like, one major brand and another major brand and, like, what that means for us as citizenry. But, like, I don't know. I, I still think that it's significant, right? It is. Well, it's because you, you know, when you see your favorite players, you do see that Alaska emblem. It actually, it, it brainwashes you. It's the whole point of why they sponsor things. You're just like, you associate it with like being happy. Um, mm -hmm. I, it worked for me. I like love Alaska, but I, I, I was curious, you guys, if you had to choose a sponsor for the Timbers, because I heard also, and I, John, I know you know that they're, they're just like, don't worry, we already have a sponsor in the works. We just can't talk about <laughs> it right now. So, but if you guys could choose a sponsor for the Timbers, uh, what would it be? I mean, I would think the recently dumped Timbers and the recently dumped Starbucks are both on the rebound. <laughs> oh no, I would hate that. But I don't like soccer. Well, why would you think it's be perfect? When, when it's two, you know, two brands I don't really like getting together, it's like when two really annoying people start dating, you're like, well, they're saving two other people a hell of a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still on the warpath for uh, McMenamin's Timbers. Oh, I you know? love that. McMenamin's. I think like McMenamin's and Timbers, like both like kind of corny, but beloved brands. Um, they could like put it in like the old Target and like have a new stadium, you know? Dave and Buster's Portland Timbers. Portland exactly. Timbers is a corny brand? All sports brands are kind of corny. <laughs> oh my God. I will say this about the Portland Timbers. It's painfully obvious that they were branded during that six months when lumber sexual was a thing. 
Exactly. <laughs> no brand in sports is more dated except maybe the Toronto Raptors, who were uh, formed in the heyday of uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, was that a Jurassic Park thing? I always wondered. Yeah, it was all 1995. Yeah. Here's, here's the deal, guys, <laughs> is that I actually think the Timbers fit so well because I'm like, yeah, Portland, Timber. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Aside from, like, bearded guys, what else do we have? But, like, to emblem, like, you know, as an emblem, as like, you know, there's a guy with a beard and a, and a beanie. You're like, yeah, that's, that's fucking Portland. Yeah. I don't know. It works for me. Never heard of the term timber sexual. Now fascinated. Lumbersexual. Oh, lumbersexual. Okay, I'll check that out later. Yeah, it's like some like peak aughts sort of. I'll check that out later. Where were you in 2007, Claudia? <laughs> Never. Not not Googling lumbersexual, let me tell you. So here's okay. what I think, John. CityCast Portland sponsors oh, yeah. the Timbers. We have no money. We have no money. But here's what we'll bring to the table. Like absolutely yeah. nothing. I mean, and I think we should just we should just go for it. We should just try and see like, hey guys, I know you supposedly already have a sponsor that we're not going to find out about. But what if you put our emblem on your shirt? You got no money for us, but but I instead of saying see you at Slims, I'll be like see you at Providence Park. I mean, the color schemes work out. Like they wouldn't have to. It would be a very easy saying. redesign on the jerseys. Like maybe a little matching of the tones of the greens. But yeah, I think that could work. I think that would work. I'd be into it. Um, would honestly prefer the the thorns, but I I do think they deserve better. So I wouldn't <laughs> want to put that on. Them. Yeah. Well, I mean, theoretically, like you know, the the thorns contract with Alaska is up for, at the end of uh, twenty twenty three too, and is from what I'm reading, like. Alaska hasn't said whether they're going to stick with the thorns or not. I know. Wouldn't it be funny if they, they were just like, no, we, we're going to keep the thorns, but we're dumping the timbers? I mean, I, I, it's just, it's interesting. It's almost like they're choosing, like, well, this is where we know it's going to hurt you mm. money-wise. You know, like, this is, because I think that the timbers, because it's a men's team, um, has more, like, brings in more money. Though the thorns is the team that yeah, actually yeah. wins. Yeah, it's the team that is good at soccer. <laughs> right. Maybe Alaska is clearing out their budget to sponsor a new WNBA expansion in Portland. That's what I'm Maybe hoping. that's what's happening. Marty, did you hear about this? Oh, do you, do you like not care for all sports? It's just soccer. I have lived in Portland long enough to... I remember we were getting a Major League Baseball team. I remember we were getting an NHL team. I remember when we were getting a WNBA team. I remember we got one for 25 minutes. And I just, I don't believe these dreams anymore. And the only one that stuck is the soccer team, which is the only one that I really don't approve of. Because if you could, if you could drag one professional sports team to Portland, what would it be? Mm. Uh, one sport. Pickleball? I'd bring baseball. Which is the only honorable sport that has a long enough history to be considered a sport. I love it. Actually, I'm a huge, I'm a huge baseball fan as well, Marty. I would love a professional baseball team. Well, well, you guys, we'll, 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 we'll know hopefully by next year who is right on our guesses about who the new sponsor is of the Portland Timbers. So CityCast Portland. City Portland. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I'm on the freaking forum. <laughs> Claudia's got the inside scoop. All right, you guys. Well, thanks so much for kicking around the news headlines with me. Claudia, thank you for being a guest. Thanks for letting me host your show. Thanks for hosting our show, John. Our show, Big Hearts. <laughs> and Marty, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me on y'all's show. That's all for us here today on CityCast Portland. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to tell a friend about it or leave us a rating or a review. 
Our audio producers this week are Julia Fiaioni and Natalie Rivera. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, and our host is Claudia Meza. I'm lead producer John Natariani. Original music by Jenny Comley and Stephen Drisos, with additional music by Epidemic Sound and All the Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. Slim's.